The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and others, <laughs> and anybody I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Radio show here, show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and the narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. The editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have all joined us. Yes, I'm sorry about that. I I had my mic on to, to get Ryan on the show, and I forgot to turn it off. So I apologize for clearing my throat in the midst of, of the music there. I apologize. If you'd like to check us out online, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and SonsOfLibertyMedia.com is where you can find us. In fact, if you head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, if you're listening by Red State Talk Radio, you can head over there, and uh, you can watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the face. It's made for radio. And uh, just scroll right down there on the right side of the page, and we're going live right now, and you'll be able to enlarge that if you wish to do so, or you can continue to listen by Red State Talk Radio. Also, if um, you would like to support us, please do so. If, if you know, we don't have our hand out for money, but we do let you know we have a need. Each morning I'm letting you know that. Uh, you can go to sonslibertymedia.com, click on the donate button. You can help us do what we do, not only on the radio, not only on the internet, but going across the country to teach the uh, Christian and constitutional heritage of the United States. And so you can click on a donate button. You can make a one-time donation here. You can also click on Become a Son or Daughter of Liberty. If you'd like to do that monthly, that's up to you. Um, that'll be set up. You set up one time, and then it takes care of itself after that. And then finally, if you'll go over here to sonslibertymedia.com, scroll down right there on the right, just above where the radio shows are, you'll see there's a place where you can put your email in. We don't rent it out. We don't sell it. We don't send you spam email. You get one email a day. It tells you the articles that we have out for the day. Um, usually Bradley has at least one. I have a couple, and then we have contributors as well. So uh, sign up for that on sonsoflibertymedia.com. Now, you can also catch this live video feed not only on sonsoflibertymedia.com, but on Bradley's Twitter account at BradleyDean1, my Periscope and Twitch accounts at Setting Brush Fires, Facebook is BradleyDeanSOL, our YouTube channel is just look up for Bradley Dean. Uh, before it's news.com, right there on the front page as well, and dlive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. And I think I've got all of that stuff out of the way. Now, if you want to call in, if you got a question for a guest or a comment, uh, love to hear from you guys. 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. Now, with that said, 
Um, I spoke with Captain Carl, who's in the uh, chat room today, and he said, hey, you ought, you ought to have Ryan Bundy on. I said, I'd love to have Ryan or Ammon or uh, Clive, any of those guys. And I, I've spoken with Clive and briefly, um, Ryan's father, and most of you would be familiar with what took place in 2014. And then a couple of years later up in Oregon at what we call the bird farm up there. And you know that the Bundys were at the center of these things, that the federal, the federal government, it's come out. It's very clear that they were after their water rights. They were out to get their land. The truth has come out that they were ready to kill um, the Bundys. They, they were set up to, to kill them. Um, and there were a large number of patriots from all over the country who came in and, and stood their ground with them. They stood in the gap, if you will. And um, people have forgotten that. They've forgotten the constitutional uh, lessons that were taught in that time about federal land grabs and what the Constitution says about federal, uh, the federal government owning land and what it's to be used for. And so what I thought I'd do is I, uh, this is uh, something that I, wanna, I want Ryan to, to speak to because he went through it firsthand, and he stood against it, he and his family. And I think... Overall, they came out on the good side, but they're still facing a lot of a lot of things, from what I understand, even now. So, with that said, Ryan Bundy, welcome to the Sons of Liberty, man. Thank you, sir. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you. And Ryan is up really early. It's like three a.m. there, right? It is. It is three a.m. Okay. All right. Well, Ryan, for people who may not who who may have missed this because this went this was international news at the time. For people who may have missed it, can you give them a brief rundown of some of the history of what led up to, I think it was April of 2014, and what took place with the federal agents? It was basically an army that had come in there, and uh, they had set up snipers. They had armed, uh, basically an armed army that came in there, hundreds of federal agents, uh, over what they claim you owe them. And uh, can you kind of give a little history on that? Sure. So the main crux of the problem comes um, in what led up to that was the environmental, uh, well, it's in the Endangered Species Act, wherein they used the desert tortoise as the excuse to uh, take all the ranchers off the land, not only ranchers, but other users try to take the use of the land out of the hand of private individuals. And so that took place, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s. And, um, and you know, Clark County, Nevada, which is where we live, at one point had 53 different ranchers on there. And through that endangered or environmental, yes, Endangered Species Act, they were able to rid the county of pretty much all those ranchers except for my father and one other rancher who who joined with us and just said no we're not we're not leaving and so at that time we actually fired the blm we sent the a letter to the solicitor of the united states basically basically saying thank you for your services uh, they're no longer needed we'll manage our ranch on our own without your management consultation bureau of land management people and uh and you know sayonara type of program well that in that infuriated them and then so from the uh early 90s until 2014 they were have been trying to get us off the range 
and it went so far to now they're bringing an army to push us off, more or less. So in a nutshell, there you go. Okay. All right. Now, it was reported in the news, and of course, I, I know the truth, I, I, because we pulled the documents, too, at the time. But it was reported in the news, well, you guys weren't paying your taxes. And as though somehow, I, I, I got to tell you, as though paying your the fruit of your labor that the government somehow has a right to demand that of you uh, is somehow patriotic. I, I really have a problem with that. But but you guys were actually trying to do it the constitutional way through the state, and um, I think there's there's checks and things of that nature that your father had did of trying to give that to the state of Nevada. What is the crux of this? Because Constitutionally, does the federal government have a right to any land outside the 10 square miles of D.C. other than by the way the Constitution lays it out? And could you speak to that? Could you educate the people on what that what the Constitution says about the federal government owning land? Okay, so there's uh, two places in the Constitution that speak of, of land. And uh, one of them is in Article 1. Now, Article 1 is, is, lays out the powers of Congress. And in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17, it states that Congress shall have power to, um, and then it goes on to describe the 10-mile square, which, uh, which we know as Washington, D.C., and it says that they shall have exclusive legislation or exclusive jurisdiction over that 10-mile square. In other words, nobody else has power within that 10-mile square. Only, only Congress does. It belongs to them. It's exclusively theirs. And it's given to them for the seat of government. And then it goes on to say that they could have like power over such places purchased with the, with the consent of the state legislature in which the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings. Okay, so... If, if Congress wishes to purchase land within an admitted state of the union and they do it with the consent of the state legislature, they can't force that sale, they can't force their hand on that, and then it can only be used for those five express purposes, then yes, they can have uh, power and, and ownership over those lands that are purchased in that manner. The other place in the Constitution speaks about territories. That's in Article 4, Section 2. Article 4, Section 2 is basically there for uh, admitting new states into the Union. And so it talks about territories, and it says that Congress shall have the power to dispose of and to make all needful rules and regulations respecting a territory. Of course, then it goes on to talk about, um, you know, the formation of new states. And, and so a territory is not a state. It is different. The status is different. Um, but once a state is admitted into the Union and it becomes a state, then the, the rules for territories no longer apply. So Congress loses its power to make the needful rules and regulations respecting the territory. But what's going on out here in the West is that Congress doesn't want to let go of that authority, and so they're trying to hold these 
these lands under that rule, territorial law, territorial rule. And that's just not the, not right. And so our argument has always been, is this a state or is this a territory? And we have evidence that it was admitted into the Union uh, and was properly made a state. And if you, if you go to uh, the Northwest Ordinances and, you know, which was made actually before the Constitution under the Articles of Confederation, which is still valid, by the way, it was set forth on a procedures on how to admit a state into the Union. Um, and, and that's supposed to be done on an equal footing basis. So we call that the equal footing doctrine where every new state is admitted into the Union on equal footing with the original 13. And the original 13 owned 100% of the land within its boundaries. And so therefore that's one of the characteristics of an admitted state of the Union. And so the new states, such as Nevada, would have that same characteristic. Therefore, the land within it belongs to the state and her people, does not belong to the federal government, and and so that's our that's our stance on that. Okay, all right. Now there we've got a lot of questions that are coming in through the various uh, video platforms that we're on as well, and one of those is okay. So some of the things that they can do that is for the. Um, uh, Gosh, I'm drawing a blank here. Some of the reasons they can, they, the federal government can actually have land is, I think, the ports and uh, set up for uh, mili- like military kind of issues and things of that nature. And I'm drawing a blank on it. I don't know why I'm drawing a blank right now. But they have just a few things that they can own it for. So if we travel just a little bit forward a couple of years after what happened at, at your ranch, uh, there, was a, there was something that took place in Oregon. And we have video evidence where the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, that's not Black Lives Matter, guys, is, is the Bureau of Land Management had come in and they had uh, basically, they would, they would burn certain areas of the land in order to control fires. If something started out there so that, you know, people's homes uh, who were ranching or whatever or other property wouldn't be destroyed. And it was, a, it was supposed to be a control burn, and yet they were burning within, you know, 50, 100 yards of uh, structures, animals, homes, stuff like this. And yet the Hammonds were attacked uh, because they set a control burn to stop uh, another fire that was you know, threatening their property and such. And they were charged with terrorism, which you guys went and stood with them up there. But where you took a stand up there, it was basically a bird farm. It was a wildlife refuge. And I don't see any of that in the Constitution, and I'm not sure, maybe you could correct me, I don't think the state of Oregon turned that land over to the federal government either. Uh, could you speak to that just a little bit, because that falls right in line with what you're talking about? Sure, okay, so the uses that uh, Congress can possess land for, it, it's, it's interesting, because if you, when our, when our founders created the Constitution, the, con- the Constitution is basically creating the federal government. That's what it's doing. And it's forming that union, forming that, that, that government, that level of government. And so there, therein we are giving them certain duties to perform and then granting them the power to f- perform them. 
And in so doing, we knew, our founders knew, that they would need a certain amount of land to be able to perform those duties. And thus, they give them the seat of government, Washington, D.C., but they knew they would need a few other pieces of ground to be able to perform their duties. And so that's the only reason that they have authority to own land, is simply to perform their duties. And every one of those purposes are specified for that purpose, and that's it. In other words, the federal government is not supposed to own land for arbitrary purposes. Government's not supposed to own land. The land and the resources are supposed to belong to the people. That's that's simple. Yeah, can I interject okay. just a second? Yep. Can I interject just a second? Because I, I did go ahead and look this up. Se- um, Article 1, Section 8, and in there it says that they can have them for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, and other needful buildings... Uh, and they can make laws according to those things, but I don't think those laws are supposed to be contrary to what we have in the Constitution. I just want to interject that because I, I drew a blank there a minute ago, so I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. Gotcha. So so if you notice, four of the five of those really relate to military purposes, you know, arsenals to store, you know, and magazines. They're to store armaments, you know, ammunitions and guns, uh, military bases, uh, docks, which would be for the navies. Uh, other needful buildings is a bit uh, open-ended. You know that would include things for like post offices, courthouses, uh, a few things like that. But open, but uh, other needful buildings certainly does not include, you know, large tracts of land without, you know, a specific purpose. Um, and so when it gets right down to it, you're right. Uh, Forest Service, Bureau of Land Management, wildlife refuges, monuments, wilderness areas, uh, uh, things like that are not constitutional. There's no place in the Constitution that allows for those to be uh, federally owned or controlled. And so back to Oregon, where they have this Malheur National Wildlife Refuge, there's no constitutional basis for its ownership nor can the state turn land over to the federal government without it being part of that Article 1, Section 8 purposes. Um, The state just can't say, hey, here, have some land. No, they can't do that. Okay. All right. Now, something that probably I mentioned just a little while ago, and I think in large measure the issue was land that's at least what it was blown up to be in the media and i loved the interview that your your brother had with uh, megan kelly where he was he was just schooling her on the issue of federal land ownership and she couldn't get it to save her life um and i thought that was really good that the people were able to hear here's what the constitution actually says not what some you know person says oh the founding fathers wanted this that and the other and they didn't want anything like what they're talking about he was actually referencing that and thought that was good but there's a bigger issue for your family. Your family have some have something that's called water rights. Can you explain that and how the BLM was out to to take those from your family? I think you you guys had it three or four generations that you've you've had that in your family. Can you explain a little bit because that seems to be the underlying thing of what they were working to to take from you guys? Yeah, you know, out here in the West, um, water is more valuable than land. Um, because there's so little of it, it is a very arid country, and so, but but across the land there are springs and different uh, uh, you know sources of water that are 
um, that are here, but it's even even so, it's still very minimal. And so, um, when we often describe it like in our in our cattle industry, you know, if you have some water um, out in the middle of a desert. It, it it really holds. It's not good for anything unless uh, unless you can utilize it. And what's going to utilize it out there except for something to drink it? It's not a large enough source to try to pipe to town or something. And it, a lot of times it's too far away. And, and you know it's just not not worth it for the small amount of seepage that comes out. And so you know without a cow to say drink it, um, it you're not going to get much good out of it. Uh, and and likewise the forage that grows in the desert. You know, a cow or a sheep or something can eat that, but no one else is going to get any good out of it. It's, you know, it's really just sitting there doing nothing. And one is not good without the other, and neither is the other good without the one. And so it only makes sense that let's make some valuable use out of this and put them together, and, and there you go. And so each state in the West has put together a system of, of water rights. And the water rights is just based upon prior appropriation and, and beneficial use. In other words, uh, first come, first serve. When someone comes here, they make beneficial use of the water, and therefore they establish a right to use it. And then the states have created, you know, a water registry where you can register that, hey, I'm making use of this water, and and therefore that strengthens my right by putting it in documentation, and that's what we call a water right. And so, yes, we have these documented water rights that are attached to, for the purpose of grazing cattle, um, and and we've been using them since uh, 1877 when my pioneer ancestors came in the area. So, you know, at the time, we was, you know, like 130-something years. We're, we're into the 140-somethings now that we're down the road a few years now. But so over 140 years, we've been utilizing these waters in this range for grazing cattle. And so that's a, that's a long established rights that we have created. Okay. All right. And just so people know, uh, I was out there in, I think it was 2016. I forget when it was, uh, I did a couple of shot shows two years in a row. And one of the things that I noticed, we were going out to see, uh, Pete Santilli. He was out in, I, I don't know. I, I know your brother was out there in the same place. I don't know if you were, I think you were out there as well in the Southern Nevada, you know, Gestapo thing uh, out there, the gulag, if you will. I mean, I went in, I was like, these guys haven't even been convicted of something and they're in this thing. Um, we went out there to, to see them. And uh, one of the things that, that got me about the, the whole idea of the control of the land was uh, Deb Jordan, who's uh, Pete's uh, co-host. she said, it was it was more than ninety percent of Nevada was considered federal land. Is is that true? Yeah, it's actually. Well, I don't know if we got the exact amount. Anywhere from say like eighty nine to ninety three percent. Yes, so upwards in the ninety percentile that the federal government claims ownership to. Okay, and they're doing it unconstitutionally. That's what I want people to understand. They're doing it unconstitutionally. Now, Ryan, we got people asking some questions in here, and I remember reporting on some of this stuff about Harry Reid, about the Chinese. Now, this is probably going to become very relevant to some of the stuff that's come out with Joe Biden and China and this, that, and the other. 
But there were a lot of reports, and especially I know that we had a bunch up in Oregon, uh, of the land not just being it's a, a land issue. I think a lot of it has to do with pushing Agenda 21 out of the United Nations uh, Agenda 2030. But what about the minerals and resources that are on your land uh, that the federal government might want to get a hold of? You, because we we know when Obama left office, one of the things he did was he just willy-nilly said uh, this, um, what was it, the gold butt area. We're, we're just going to federalize that. We're going to pull a Teddy Roosevelt, who was the guy who seems to have started all this stuff. We're going to pull it. We're just going to sign this thing. And all this is our land now. I mean, it's almost like a thuggery that's going on. What kind of value... Of the land, do you see that the federal government has, and what do you think is the agenda for that as to why they wanted to come after you guys? You know, there's a lot of speculation on that, and I don't know the absolute truth of those answers, but uh, I do know that within Nevada, Nevada is very mineral rich, um, and in the gold butte, by the way, butte is the proper pronunciation of that. Thank you for that. Um, gold butte area. Um, you know, there is gold down there. I do know that. Um, but I know there's also uranium, you know, we got a lot of uranium mining claims out here, although I I don't think it's ever been mined, but I, I do know that some of the claims are for uranium. I don't know what other minerals in the ground here, but, um, and so I'm not exactly sure what was all that dealing with China was about, but I do know that there were some dealings going on, and uh, and 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 of course, I guess they were thwarted by our not leaving the land, and that did get old Harry Reid in trouble with the Chinese. I don't know if you recall, but after 2014 happened and so forth, he got he got beat down real hard. Showed up all. Uh, black-eyed and bloody-faced <laughs> yes. from somewhere. No one knew quite where that come from. Yeah, I think some people uh, speculate that has more to do with a pedophile ring or something. I don't know, but I, I remember that too. And he really turned on the people. He he called he called you guys. He called real patriot Americans part of the uh, Constitutional Militia. And uh, somebody was asking, well, you guys come down on the police. Well, we come down on the police when they're acting unlawfully. We don't come down on them when they're acting according to the law. Uh, but, you know, under our Constitution, the people, the militia, are are the law enforcements. They're the constitutional law enforcers. And uh, But he came down on, on you guys. He came down on the militia, calling them domestic terrorists. This is this is a representative of your state who has basically turned his back on it. I mean, frankly, i gotta, I got to be honest. I don't know why the people didn't give him a beat down over that. I mean, he was way out of school for speaking the way he did. Yeah, he was, and but he'd been out of school. He'd been in the wrong camp for you know many years, and Amen. he served a lot of years as senator. I never could figure out how he kept winning elections. Quite frankly, I I wonder if we didn't have a bunch of voter fraud going on for decades. Quite frankly, well, I'm sure you did uh, because we're we're seeing it now, and everybody says there's no evidence of voter fraud. I don't want to get down that trail, uh, including Trump's DOJ, which I told people this guy was a swamp creature. Uh, that's all we've seen from, from Trump is him putting swamp creatures in, even though he said he was going to drain it. But we're not going to get down that road, guys. Um, the issue, though, of this land, this land is a big issue because a large part of the Midwest and the West there in the Northwest, the, the federal government has come in and just said, well, this is our land, and it's basically, it looks like a mob mentality to me. 
Um, <clears throat> they'll claim something that isn't theirs. The people just go along with it, apparently, because they're ignorant of what's going on. And it's people like you who actually know what the Constitution says and says, you know what? We can't let you do this because you're violating the law. This is our land. This is our property. Um, and we're going to take a stand against that. And I'm glad to see that because I think it sets an example for everybody else that other people can do it as well. But I think there, <clears throat> you guys wouldn't have been able to do it just by yourself. I, I think they would have took you guys out and nobody, <clears throat> excuse me, nobody would have been the wiser. But you guys got the message out to other people. They thought, uh, I know some of the news media said, your father was uh, just, you know, he was just paranoid and this, that, and the other, and he just wanted to start something. But your lives were really on the line. Can you can you help people understand just how serious it was when the feds came in, even without you knowing, setting up uh, surveillance, setting up snipers, and then bringing in this basically a small military to come against you and your family? Sure. So let me tell you a little bit about that. Again, we've been having dealings with, uh, you know, BLM on similar type matter for, you know, since the late 80s. And they had tried to gather our cattle several times prior to that, always to no avail. Um, we've always been able to stop them in one way or another. But this time here, they were going to come at, at us, you know, hard and heavy and in fact, we found out after the fact that it was purposely designed to be the most intrusive cattle gather ever. And they wanted to be right in our face, kick us in the teeth, and their, their agenda was to try to instigate us to some type of action, which would then justify them in, in killing us. And uh, prior to, about 10 days prior to them beginning their operation, um, they had a BLM uh, special agent uh, um, try to contact us to see how we were going to react to their, their coming in. And this guy actually called me and spoke with me, and during about an hour and a half long conversation with him, at one point he told me straight out that this was going to be the next Waco or Ruby Ridge and that they would kill me. And, and so I knew what their intentions were and, uh, you know, I just said, well, bring it on and, and we were ready. So that's what their goal was. Yeah. And they were acting unconstitutionally the whole time. They set up a free speech zone that they were going to lock, you know, I, I don't know where that is in the constitution. I'm assuming that the constitution, me being just so stupid and just a back neck, a backwoods redneck here in South Carolina, uh, when it says you have the right to free speech, it doesn't limit you to where that free speech is. But I remember they had that there, uh, there near your property or on your property, and they were controlling who was going in and going out. I think one of your brothers had been tased. They really showed their thuggery in this. And they were led by this guy by the name of Daniel Love, uh, that we took time because it was so important. He was the he was the leader in all this, and I think there was even some FBI agents who was like, "Okay, this guy is off his meds. He we can't we can't even go along with what he's doing, even though they were acting criminally as well." So you got all these things going on now. <clears throat> we have a guy by the name of Larry Wooten, and I when I talked to you yesterday, one of the things I asked was, "Did you have a contact for him?" Because we wanted to see about bringing him on the show. Can you tell us what you know about Larry Wooten and the two memos that he wrote 
because I think people need to really understand that if they think the federal government is somehow their friend, that it is that it considers itself the creature of the state. Rather, it's now turned into this beast that thinks it owns the states. Can you help them understand from what you know from Mr. Wooten and and by the and and explain who he is and what he wrote as to how it ties to this this uh, statement you just made that they say they're going to kill you? Yes. Okay. So Larry Wooten actually works for the Bureau of Land Management, and he uh, was assigned to be involved with uh, internal investigations. And so I, he was there in 20, 2014, and he noticed a lot of these atrocities that were, were taking place, that all these unconstitutional things and you know improper things that were going on. Now, he clearly comes out and st- says that he doesn't agree with the Bundys on our stance and land ownership and different things like that, but that was beside the point. What he was noticing was a bunch of atrocities that they were doing that were violations of the rights of the people, violations of the Constitution in other areas. And so he wrote these memo, a memo concerning it. That was his job. That's what he was supposed to do. However, when, when he started to report these things, instead of them being corrected, he was more or less, he wasn't fired from the BLM, but he was fired from his position there and, 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 and more or less run out of, of the situation. And so now, you know, several years down the road when we're sitting in incarceration and, and going through, you know, these trials, uh, he writes a memo to this, to the fact of all that was going on and submitted that memo to, you know, the prosecutors of course, they hit it. It was it was uh, about nine or ten months later that we actually discovered this memo uh, during the heat of trial, so to speak, and that was evidence that had been withheld. One of the exculpatory evidences, um, and and uh, and then of course uh, I don't know who it was, but their uppers said, "Ah, oh, you're you're full of crap," type of deal. So he wrote a second memo to basically double down on what he said. I, I've never been able to see the second memo, nor has hardly anybody else, because they really have hid that one. They've kept that from coming out into the public. Um, the first one was scathing enough to the to the Bureau of Land Management and federal government and their operations, and I guess the second one I hear was even, even greater than that. Yeah, I, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, if this is what you've heard as well, that second one actually uh, gets to the issue of kind of what I've opened up with, that they were ready They were ready not only to kill you and your family, they were ready to kill everybody that stood with you. Is that what you've heard as well? Well, I do know that they had a kill list, um, you know, of people they really wanted, kind of their number one target, so to speak. Um and uh, I don't know, I, 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 I can't speak directly to that on how far they were wanting to go. But, um, but yeah, they had some intentions of that direction. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. And I, I know that that's not widely known as far as what's in there. But, boy, we would love to get Larry Wooten on uh, to talk about that if he will do it or send us a document. I understand. My understanding is they've kind of put that under wraps as far as, uh, you know, an illegal gag order. I don't know how a judge, 
In my mind, I don't know how a judge enforces a gag order when the Constitution is clear Congress can't make any law respecting free speech. And if you're exposing the corruption of the government, we have this with people like Julian Assange and Edward Snowden. You know, they're the ones getting the rap, but the government continues to do unconstitutional things, Ryan. And it it just I'm sitting here going, how easily are the people's attention diverted to people who are exposing? Forget their motives for just a moment. They're exposing crimes against the people, and yet we sit here and we don't pro- we don't prosecute. I guess we're expecting the corrupt to prosecute <laughs> the corrupt. I guess that's what the issue is. But with this issue right here, <clears throat> I'm getting a little feedback in. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> All right, I apologize, folks. Good grief, I'm getting a lot of feedback here. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, <clears throat> With this issue here, what we've got going on is we've got a federal government that claims that it's supposed to stand for the protection of people's rights and punish. I mean, they're they're to do that and they're to bring justice against those who are guilty. And instead, what we have going on is we have them protecting the guilty and punishing those who are just doing good. They're just carrying on their life before God, before the creator, um, and not... Doing other things. Yeah, they might be hacking me, Southern Gent. So it looks to me like what they're doing is they're targeting your family. They're targeting it to steal from you. And we know the Bible tells us that the devil is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And um, they're doing this with, I mean, just basically immunity. I mean, can you tell me, apart from Daniel Love, I think they brought some... They did a couple of things with him long after this issue uh, of him stealing certain artifacts that he got from a guy. And I forget the guy's name. I think he was out of Arizona or Oregon. I forget which which one. You may be familiar with it. You're talking, you're talking uh, Dr. Red is yes, what Dr. Red. talking about. Yep. Uh, he, they were getting him from simply walking around and picking up little artifacts that apparently were from Indians. And here's Daniel Love getting them, and he's taken and he's got them as you know desk ornaments, or I don't know if he's selling them or whatever the case may be. And this is the guy who's out there leading the charge, basically, to murder you and your family and anybody else who got in the way. They had already killed. I think uh, we had several pictures. They had killed some of your cattle. Uh, I, I I guess the cattle rose up and grabbed uh, an uh, you know an, a rifle and aimed it at them. They felt the need to kill your cattle. Um, or any of this kind of stuff, I just I I have to ask you, as a man, what does what kind of sensations go through you when you know these people are there and, and they may smile at you and say, "Oh, we're just here to take care," of, you know, "we're just enforcing the law, we're just doing our job," yada yada. They're gonna they've killed your cows, they have set up snipers around your home, intent on killing your family. What goes through a man's mind at that point? I mean, how do you handle that? Well, you know, the way I handled it, especially, you know, back when, uh, like, I had that uh, discussion with uh, Agent Johnson, and he flat out told me that he was going to kill me. You know, I knew I knew that I was in the right, and I knew because I was in the right, I would have the protection of, you know, of God with me. And I, I wasn't, I didn't fear, um, you know, I didn't exactly know how I was going to handle everything, but, uh, 
I, I knew that I had to stand my ground and stand upon correct principles, and I had to stand. Amen. You know, in fact, uh, that was one of the things my father always said when it comes to protecting his, his rights and his life and his liberty on this land, is he always said, I'll do whatever it takes. And, you know, prior when you asked me to, to come on to this show, you wanted me to talk about uh, what people need to do. And when it comes down to that, this is this is where it really comes down to. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And in other words, you cannot draw a line in the sand and said and say, I will I will go this far. Because those who are trying to take your liberty, your freedoms away will go farther than that. And if you have put a limit on yourself and you won't go past that, then if, then you automatically lose. So you have to be willing to go the distance, whatever that distance is, to be able to preserve your, your life, liberty, and property. Um, and so, in other words, don't, don't draw a line. Do whatever it takes. And who knows what that is. Well, I think if you're dealing with people who have told you they want to kill you, I think we know what that is without even having to say it. Uh, criminals are willing to go the distance, as you said. They're willing to violate the law. They don't care about the law. And we've got them in government. They're, they're willing to do that. Uh, there was the order that came down. Uh, I don't want to get too far off in Oregon, but we do have the text messages. I put them up. I met with... Um, Shauna Cox, while I was out there for the uh, SHOT Show that year, and several other people, um, uh, over the issue that happened with LaVoy Finnicum. And I know you guys, you had some camaraderie there in, in what you did. I'm assuming probably you had some uh, as close relatives, Arizona and, and, and Nevada being close together there. Um, and this thing where they basically murdered the guy out in on off the road, they could have they could have made arrests if that's what they. I mean, when you said Ruby Ridge, I was thinking of uh, what happened in Waco. They could have arrested the guy David Koresh. And look, we may have differences of opinion over um, our views of God, but we're talking about an issue of justice here. And I think we're all on the same page as to what justice is. And with David Koresh, the guy, the even the sheriff said he was in town all the time. We could have made an arrest. It wouldn't have been. Um, you know, anything that would have endangered anybody's life or anything like this. They didn't even do that with you guys. They got you out on this road. You're traveling to a neighboring county to speak with a the sheriff there. They had all the time, I think you guys, some of you guys were going into town there in Oregon, and uh, they could have made an arrest if that's what they wanted to do. But no, it was basically they ambushed you guys. And here's LaVoy Finnicum, um not trying to hurt anybody. It's clear from the video he's not trying to ram the barricade of the police. And he drives off in the snow. He's there. And what happens is he gets out and he draws the fire away from the people who are inside. I think there's three people inside at the time. Were you one of those guys? You were one of those guys in there, right? Oh, we lost Ryan. I'm sitting here talking. Ah, <laughs> Okay. What a great time for that to go out. Let's see if we can get Ryan back. I don't know if that was a cell phone issue or what. Suspicious again. Their call was dropped. <laughs> well, I, I was just making reference to the fact that weren't you, you were one of the guys in the truck with Lavoy, right? If I recall correctly. Yes, I yeah. was. Okay, so here's Lavoy. 
And what I was saying, Ryan, is, you know, there's lots of people, whether it's David Koresh or even you and I, we may have different, we have differences of, I think, uh, theology. But what we're talking about is an issue of justice here. And with that, I stand with you on that. I stand with your family on that. Because the Bible tells us that we're to focus on those things that are, you know, about justice and about mercy. Jesus warned the Pharisees about that. Your tithing of mint and cumin and all these little seeds and all this stuff. But you forget the weightier things of the law and uh, of justice and mercy. And so, and that applies to both the the natural citizen, if you will, and to the foreigner. They're, the same law is to apply to them. And so when you see all these things happen, when you see what happened to the void, and before the guy can even, it's clear, I don't know what you heard that I said before, it's clear to me when you watch the video that he's not trying to hurt anybody. He's trying to get to his destination. They're trying to stop him. They had opportunities to arrest him, and they ambush him. As soon as he starts to get out, an FBI sniper, we know that he took at least two shots at him, and he's basically gotten off with nothing. I mean, nothing at all. And then he gets out and he draws fire away from the people who are in there. I can't see it but anything else that he loves the people who are in there and he doesn't want the people in his truck to be harmed. And he dies in the process of doing that. And I talked with Shauna Cox about that. I think it was in 2016 that I spoke with her. We were eating there. Uh, Deb and Emma had set up a thing for the wives and girlfriends and families to come in when the trials were going on. And that's what she told me. She said, I really believed he saved our lives by drawing their attention away from that truck, even though they sort of attacked that truck after. Can, can you want to speak to that just a little bit? I, because you were there, and uh, you could speak to that very well. Uh, yes, you know, um, once again, we were had a meeting scheduled with the Grant County Sheriff and he, the sheriff, had put together a group of about 400 people for us to come to speak to. So it wasn't like we were engaged in some illegal activity or doing something crazy. We were going to meet with the sheriff um, <clears throat> and and the people of his county. Uh, that's what that's where we were headed. And uh, we were we were traveling, you know, peacefully and. And, of course, they ambushed us uh, with the intentions to kill, I do believe, and that was thwarted by, uh, I believe, uh, some people that come upon the scene, and therefore they couldn't just wipe us out without uh, having, you know, eyewitnesses see what what took place. Um, But all the same, you know, Lavoie, I believe, did save our lives by drawing fire away, uh, you know, Lavoie had a hunch, you can say, uh, I don't know, he kind of knew that he was going to be taken out in this operation there. Uh, he spoke to me about it several times, and you know, I didn't really like him talking about that. I didn't want that to happen. But he was, uh, he was very much about protecting me particularly. Um, you know, in fact, he told me at one point, he says, you know, he says, you know, I, I'm probably going to die, but I, you need to live. He goes, you're younger, you've got a young family, and he goes, your word needs to keep going further. And so I knew that he would protect me if we come down to a situation like that. And, uh, you know, when he got out of the truck uh, that day, I did not want him to get out of the truck. I tried to 
reach for him and keep him keep him in but uh but he was going to go out and face the guns and protect us and it cost him his life um but i but i think that they got a little their bloodlust um satisfied maybe they they thought hey we killed one uh, you know they didn't need to kill the rest of us but uh, they certainly did throw some lead into the truck um you know i was hit you know, I wasn't hurt very bad, but I did take a bullet. Um, and yeah, it was, it was not a good thing. It was totally wrong. It was unjustified. He did not, he was not there to hurt anybody. We were there to go talk about constitutional principles with a group of people. That's what we were engaged in. So, well, and no, no law had really been broken. The fact that you went there, let me let me uh, get this too. And I don't know if you can stay over. I know it's really early there. I don't know. You said you get up early, so I don't know if you can stay with us a little bit over the radio time or not. I'll leave that up to you. But one of the things that you found out, uh, we, we went from Bundy Ranch, and then a couple of years later, we're up in Oregon. There are fellow ranchers there, and I wish we had a whole whole show, Ryan, to kind of let people understand what it is in the life of a rancher because our, our ranchers, I mean the real ones, not these corporate-owned uh, people who just corral cattle and feed them corn and all kinds of stuff they don't even digest and things, uh, but real ranchers out there who provide our beef, um, what what it's like in the day of a rancher. and stuff. I'd love to have a show like that. I think it would be very informative for people to understand where their food sources are coming from and things like that. I think it would be very informative. So if you're up for that, maybe we can form a uh, sort of show out for that. But you go up there to help fellow ranchers who are called terrorists for doing what ranchers do. And we have video evidence. And by the way, folks, I'll find my old articles about that. It's hard to find them on Freedom Outpost. They've just become a bunch of Trump idolaters. They put in some kind of weird search thing that I can't find any of my articles on. But we have the video, the evidence of there of what they're doing far worse than what the Hammonds were doing. You go up there to help them, and you get caught in the crossfire too. Now, the victory statement to me is... First of all, I think they dropped all the charges against Pete Santilli. Of course, he went down to Nevada as well. But you and your brother and several others, you were acquitted. You were acquitted. You spent you spent nearly two years in, in jail, and they dropped the case. And we're running up against about four minutes here, so I, you're probably going to have to make it quick unless you want to stay over, and that's great. But what happened there? I, I hear that your father said... Um, I wish we would have gone the distance in the court proceedings, but they they cut it short. Uh, Judge Navarro said, okay, the government has violated, you know, they've got tons of Brady violations, not letting you guys bring in exculpatory evidence, which had already been used against other guys. And the deck is stacked against you. You guys win that in the short term, but they're coming back against you over and over and over. Do you want to speak to that just for a moment? Sure. So again, we're talking about two different trials, the Oregon trial, which uh, uh, they split into two trial groups and we were in the first trial group. And yes, we went the distance there and the jury acquitted us of, of any wrongdoing. The second group there, they, they, uh, the government maneuvered to where they got a conviction on them, which to me is very unjust. The other trial was down here in Nevada 
And as uh, and they run one group, they d- divided it into three different trial groups, and they did run the first group through and were able to obtain a couple convictions, not based upon what people did, but based upon Facebook statements and what they said, which is, to me, un- unjust as well. But either way, we were in the second trial group, and as we started to get into the trial, it was obvious that we were going to win again. The government did not want that to happen, and uh, and so the judge declared a mistrial and then declared the trial was dismissed with prejudice. Um, the government did come back and appeal that decision and uh, try to get us back in prosecution, back in trial, but the Ninth Circuit um, said no and ruled in our favor. And so all those proceedings are done over with. And what my dad was speaking about was that he would have rather have gone through trial and come out with a, uh, a you know, uh, an, uh, an acquittal again. And it was very evident that the jury was on our side and would have acquitted us. And that would have been a better win than the dismissal. Well, I agree. I agree. Now, is are, are there any other attacks? It seems like I saw something here recently, or maybe it was last year. All my days run together, to be honest with you. Um, are there any other attacks against your family? Because I'm sure the thugs aren't just going to back off and say, okay, we're just going to leave alone because of this, this, and this. Are there any other attacks that are happening to your family and such? Not right now. Like I said, that appeal was only... Uh, finalized in like September, so only a couple months ago. So it's fairly recent that that's finally over. And so at the moment, no. At the moment, no. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. I'm sure that they're going to team up and they're going to come back later, especially if we, again, I'm getting some interference here. You guys can hear it. Uh, I'm sure that's going to happen in in a Biden administration, too, uh, that there that that's going to be pushed forward since I think he was very tight with uh, with Harry Reid as well. Uh, Ryan, do you guys have a, a, a website or something where people can follow you? Because I'm sure you work in the markets with the cattle and stuff. But do you have something that people could get? Uh, you got about thirty seconds to give that. Yeah, it's just uh, we got the Bundy Ranch blog uh, blog spot. Uh, we also have uh, the Bundy Ranch uh, webpage. It's just. Um, Man, I don't know. I don't know if it's on top of my head. It's BundyRanch.com, I believe. Okay, I brought that up, and I we got somebody else that said they're not part of the Bundy Ranch, but we'll see if we can figure that out. I'll put the in the archives this morning, folks. I'll put um, the Bundy Ranch blog spot. And Ryan, if you'll hang on just a little bit after the show, about ten seconds after, I have to close that out. Uh, like talk with you just for a couple of minutes um, guys and, and Ryan by the way thank you for getting up early and being with us this morning giving us your story maybe we can have you back and talk about what we talked about the Bundy or excuse me Bundy Ranch blogspot.com 23 hours see ya